It's important to me to let the client know, hey, here's when you can expect, here's when you're likely to hear from us, kind of here's our rhythm. When we think in terms of recurring bookkeeping, it's important to let the client know what they can expect from us and when they can expect it. Welcome to Gentle Frog's Bookkeeping Lilypad, your cozy corner of the podcasting world, where numbers tell a story and bookkeeping blossoms into an adventure. My name is Rachel Barnett, and I'm glad you're here. This podcast is for bookkeepers who enjoy authentic, unfiltered, and always encouraging friend to chalk shop with. We will be discussing what it's like to own and operate a small bookkeeping business. Hello and welcome. In this episode of General Frog's Bookkeeping Lilypad, I want to talk about a post that came up in our community group. Lachey May said, I'm curious, if you could go back in time and tell your newbie self, these are the five must-have non-negotiables you need to have in your client contracts. What would they be? I like this question a lot. I want to read my answer to you and then describe a little bit more about why I selected each of these things. In no particular order, I wrote the scope of the period of work. What date am I starting with and what date am I ending with? Number one. Number two, when will I communicate with the client? I'm not on call. You're not going to get reports by the 5th. So when am I expecting to communicate with you? When are you expecting to hear from me? Number three, the client's failure to get me docs by a deadline isn't my fault and I'm not going to hold the project open indefinitely. Number four, that I work with a team. I'm really not the Rachel show. I don't ever want anybody to think, oh, if I hire General Frog, I'm hiring just Rachel and Rachel's at my beck and call because that's simply not how it works. Number five, how we'll communicate. Myself, I'm going to use email and scheduled Zoom calls. Other people will use things such as Slack and Discord. I know that I'm never going to offer text messaging as an option. I want to expand on these. So the first thing I listed was the period of the scope of work. I need to be real clear with my clients. I'm going to work on your records. I'm going to start with information dated for a particular date. And I'm going to stop with information on a different date. I have the start date in there so that if I find stuff that's weird from a year or two ago, I'm not obligating myself to fix going back to the beginning of time. I have an end date because if my client screws around and they don't give me the information I need and a couple of months have passed, I don't want them to think that I'm obligated to get their records organized through the last day that we speak. If my team and I are working on a project where we're cleaning up last year's bookkeeping, I don't want the client to say, oh, well, could you go ahead and include January and February of the current year? Like that's not fair to us. We agreed to start with last year and to end with December 31st. The second answer I provide is, I said, when I will communicate with the client. What I really mean to say is when Megan will communicate with the client. I want the client to have realistic expectations. If we sign up a project today, I'm going to let the client know, like, okay, based on my conversation with Megan, based on our schedules, here's when I think we can start your work. It's going to take us some time to go through the records, to figure out, you know, find our bearings. It's going to take us some time to ask you questions and for documents. I'm really not going to provide a completion date because I think that sometimes is unrealistic. But what I am going to do is make it clear that it's going to take maybe a week or two before you really start seeing questions from us. What I want to avoid is the client thinking, okay, I've signed up, I've paid, I sent over some statements, bookkeeper should be done in just a couple days. I'm sure that's available for enough money, but generally that's not how we work. It's important to me to let the client know, hey, here's when you can expect, here's when you're likely to hear from us, kind of here's our rhythm. When we think in terms of recurring bookkeeping, it's important to let the client know what they can expect from us and when they can expect it. 
The point here isn't to say when things should be due. The point is to let the client know what to expect. This takes the burden off of you to not feel any pressure. And it also gives the client a chance to understand like, hey, here's how this company works. If the client wants something different, this gives the client a chance to say, oh, I'd really prefer sooner or I'd prefer different or whatever. And then you can go back to the drawing board and just say, okay, we can do this, but we need to have these things from you. The third tip I have, or the third thing I would include, and we really have included this for this year, we've made sure to tell every single client, is that we need to get documents by a specific deadline. And if we don't, we're just going to stop working on the project. There's no refunds. There's no holding the project open. There's none of that. What we're doing in our office is we're saying if we ask for something, we need it within a month of when it's available. So if it's your bank statement, your credit card statement, like, cool, I totally get that you're busy and life happens. Just get us those statements within a month of it being generated. What we're really trying to do is avoid situations where we sign up a client for recurring services, where we sign up a client for a project, and then months and months, or in some case, more than a year goes by between the times that we've heard from the client. It puts too much stress on us. We want to do a good job. We want our clients to be happy. And we want to cross those things off our to-do list. When we have clients that don't send us documents, then we're kind of in a weird limbo where we say, okay, well, we should hold some time just in case they get us the documents. You get the idea. There's too much time and mental space dedicated to thinking about it. What we're doing now is we're saying, look, we need it within a month. You don't send it to us. That's totally fine. That's your prerogative. We're just going to close the agreement down and we're going to assume that you're happy with it, whatever state it's currently in. Now, this is not to say that we're uncaring. We absolutely do work with people who reach out to us and say like, hey, I've got this thing going on. I'm going to get an assistant or I just need a little bit of extra wiggle room. What we're looking to eliminate is the situations where the client doesn't get back to us for three, four, five months and then gets on our schedule and says, oh my gosh, this is so urgent. I need this. You guys know I need this. And Megan and I are looking at each other like, we tried. We can't do anything without your insert name of documents here. In 2022 and in 2023, this was just too much stress. So we came together and said, no more of this. Number four is that I work with a team. So this is really important. Like, first of all, I want to shout out my team. I'm so grateful for them. Because I have a team, I get to do all the things that I want to do. Everybody gets to do the things they want to do. If my team is not doing the things that they want to do, I would hope that they'd feel comfortable telling me. I try to ask on a semi-regular basis, like, hey, are you doing the things you like? Do you want to change what you're doing? Can I change anything that I'm doing to make your job easier? The point of all this is that I don't want people to think when they hire us for bookkeeping, I don't want them to think that they're just getting me. It is not the Rachel show. The bookkeeping in our office is generally handled by Megan. If Megan is at capacity or if I have a lead that comes in that's a pretty simple lead, then I might refer it over to a mentee. What I do is content creation such as this and training. I help Megan with bookkeeping, but really she's the lead on that. The reason this came about is because I had a couple of exceptions over the years. A couple of people who said, oh, I really only want to work with Rachel. Like I've just known her for so long. I like whatever. It doesn't matter. And I've said, okay, no problem. I can do that. What's happened is that I've gotten busier. What's also happened is that I really like training. I really like supporting and helping people grow. 
What that means is that over the years, I'm showing Megan how to do things that she maybe hasn't seen before. I'm going to take these clients, they really only want to work with me, and I'm going to try to pivot them and say, look, you'll always have me behind the scenes. So-and-so needs to practice or they need to get experience working on bookkeeping such as yours. I've now gotten to the point that I can comfortably tell people that they cannot get me to be their only bookkeeper. If they want me to be the only bookkeeper that they work with, it just tells me that we're not a good fit. Megan and I very much work as a team. We divide and conquer. I know when she's busy, she knows when I'm busy. If I had a client or a situation that said, oh, only Rachel, only, 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 fantastic, not a good fit. The fifth thing I mentioned is how we'll communicate. This is important. I use email and scheduled Zoom calls. What you didn't hear me say is I don't allow people to text my phone. I don't take unsolicited phone calls. My phone is a cell phone on my desk that just automatically forwards over to Reception HQ. I mentioned them before and forgot to put them in the show notes. So I will try really hard to remember this time. For me, it's easier to communicate via email because then I can loop Megan in as needed. It's easier to communicate via scheduled Zoom calls so that when it's your turn to talk to me or my turn to talk to you, I'm fully focused and I'm ready for whatever you've got going on. I'm not squeezing you in in the five minutes before something else is scheduled. Generally speaking, I don't use Slack or Discord with my clients. I say generally because there are definitely exceptions. There are some VIP clients that do get access to me via Slack. This is my preference. This is not a preference you have to have for yourself and your own business. If you're the kind of person who likes the idea of using Slack or Discord with your clients, by all means, go for it. My mentor, Seth David, talks about how he did when he had a bookkeeping practice. He would meet with people or he would set up a Slack account or a Discord account and he would have one account per company. So it wasn't like he had one account total and each company had a channel. He had one account per company and then he would set up a bunch of channels for each of the various topics. For him, that made things very organized, very fluid, very efficient, very exactly how he wanted it to be. Other people will choose to communicate with their clients using apps such as Keeper or Zenit. It doesn't matter to me how you communicate with your clients, but I definitely encourage you to identify how that is and then make sure your clients know it. There was another really good response in the Facebook group. This one from Suzette Fleming. Suzette Fleming is a bookkeeper that I've known for years and years. She's based in the middle of nowhere, Montana. If you see her on Facebook, you'll often see a picture of her with her horses. Suzette is someone that I've known for years and years. She used to live in Washington. She moved to Montana. She's one of those people that just knows a lot of things, big hearted, very supportive and loves horses, which is fun for me. She said her five things are payment terms, how and when payment is expected, no payment, no work, no exceptions. I absolutely positively love that. I do not offer people payment plans. People who can't afford to pay for our services can put it on credit card or perhaps we're just not the right fit for them. The second thing she lists is tech stack and who is responsible for keeping the subscriptions current. That's a big deal. There's going to be some clients who expect that we're going to pay for their QuickBooks and we're not, or many of us are not. The third thing that she listed is that she's not responsible for data entered, tax filings made, or payroll prior to the engagement unless specified in the agreement for a cleanup project. I love that. If your engagement starts on January 1st and December is a big disaster, she's like, unless we have a contract that says I'm working on December, I'm not working on December. Number four, if other people have access to the books, I don't guarantee the accuracy of the categorization of the transactions after I reconcile and close a period. 
I want to shout this from the rooftops. I get so incredibly frustrated working with bookkeepers who are in this situation or working with clients who are in this situation where there's a primary bookkeeper doing some things and then a VA somewhere going in and changing and helping and adjusting, right? Like divide and conquer. If you're making your own invoices, totally fine. But please don't make it so that your VA and I are both coding expenses. Don't have your VA going in there fixing things. If you're a client, don't go in there and fix things. If things aren't the way you want them, communicate that to your bookkeeper. So Suzette's point, I don't guarantee the accuracy of the categorization of the transactions after I reconcile and close a period for reals. Clients will go in, they'll change things, they'll get upset that things aren't right. And as a bookkeeper, we're like, hey, we did our job. You went in and changed it or your person went in and changed it. I'm really sorry. I can't. I'm unwilling to go to the audit log and to see what changes this other person has made and go put things back. It sounds like such a silly thing, but when I met our bookkeepers... This comes up on a very regular basis. Some version of this followed by, and how do I handle it? The last thing that she lists is termination clause. There's a 30-day written notice. I feel like in my legalese, um, Lauren, my business attorney, probably did put some sort of written notice in there. I don't hold anybody to a written notice. If you're not happy with the services that we're providing, I'm happy to let you go. I want to wrap things up. I know Megan wants to wrap things up. I always want to leave things on a a nice clean ending. But if something happens, be it budget or personality or who knows what, and you want to terminate, we're totally fine with that. I encourage you to look for this post in the Facebook group. If I'm reading it correctly, the post is dated for January 14th, 2024. I'm also going to post this podcast episode, so maybe we'll have another discussion going. I'm curious for you, what are the five non-negotiables or must-have that you need or want to have in your client contracts? This is a little bit for the people who are established, but it's a lot for the people who are new. There are so many of these things that I didn't think about when I was new. Basically, every one of my examples has a story behind it. I'm just keeping it vague for the purpose of the podcast. I really appreciate you listening. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me cover, please don't hesitate to let me know. You can comment on the YouTube video for the podcast. You can comment on the community group Facebook page, Gentle Frogs Bookkeeping Lilypad community group. You can also send me an email, rachel at gentlefrog.com. Thank you so much and have a great day.